This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program for the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Want to join the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. This is Walter Koenig, Chekhov from Star Trek, and you're listening to Trek FM. is our business. It's like nothing we've dealt with before. My golly, Jim, I'm beginning to think I can cure a rainy day. I can't change the laws of physics. Now in standard orbit, sir. Welcome, everyone, to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated podcast that covers the original and new cast of Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. I am your host, Ken Tripp. This week, I am flying solo again. I want to wish my best friend, Zach, a a speedy recovery down in Houston. He is working through a lot of things, as a lot of our friends are down there. And we miss you, Zach. We missed you on our recent away mission that we had while we were in Denver at the uh, Marquez wedding. So it has been difficult, to say the least, to uh, go on this long without my partner, but I know that he will be back in the next two or three weeks, and I do know things are getting better for him. So please, if you see him on the Babel Conference, please wish him your best and hope for a quick recovery. I also want to extend that same wish to our friends in Florida. They have had a rough time. I have a couple of sites down in Florida as well. And while everybody is safe, I know that fuel is an issue and that things are just difficult in terms of power. And it's going to take a while for these um, these two major, major events to reconcile and for people to get back to normal lives. My hope is that it happens rather quickly for all of you. So for today, what I wanted to talk about was what were the best Star Trek moments in Star Trek Into Darkness? Now, here is a movie that has a lot of controversy to it. A lot of people don't really consider it that great a movie, or at least not that great a Star Trek movie. And I'm in the camp where I enjoyed it, but I have a tough time, I guess, aligning it to Star Trek, probably because, one, I've been a fan for too long, and I know all the little idiosyncrasies and items that should kind of come into play, and it bothers me if... Well, you know I'm not a canonista. That's not me. But it does bother me sometimes when they take a lot of shortcuts or things that have been really established don't don't seem to gel. And it can pull me right out. It's the silliest stuff, too, because you really shouldn't let those things impact your movie watching or allow you to, I guess I, guess I should say, not allow you to suspend disbelief. And we'll talk about, you know, warp speed, right? They go into warp speed, they're in warp speed for five minutes, and they cover the distance in many, many movies and episodes that it usually takes them many weeks to do. So it's a very Star Wars approach to Star Trek. And, of course, that's not the only problem I had with Star Trek Into Darkness. They just missed the whole con thing. Um, 
It could have been a pretty decent movie if they'd used another character maybe from that ship and approached it a little bit differently. Uh, you know, it, it had some brilliant uh, scenes, visually speaking. It did have a few Star Trek moments that I'm going to get into in a moment. But overall, the movie was just kind of a um, high-speed space adventure with incredible effects. And I think it just tried too hard and at the same time went too fast. It didn't breathe at all. So there was a lot of opportunities for that, for that movie to be much stronger and to have, I guess, more of a Star Trek feel to it. It wasn't that it didn't attack social issues and things along those lines. It certainly did bring them out. It did make you think about certain things, you know, particularly the use of drones or, you know, I guess firing first in, in this crazy world that we live in now or preemptive strikes, as we say. And of course, you know, people that are being tried and executed through drone strikes and missiles today uh, without getting a fair trial. So I would say that, that Star Trek Into Darkness definitely hit some, some key things and you know, ironically, it is the highest grossing Star Trek movie ever. It made an awful lot of money. Uh, it's $450 million or something to that effect. So, you know, the movie was no slouch. It did very well. And, and I know it pulled a lot of people even more into the Star Trek wagon. And I know there's a lot of people that really enjoyed it. So I don't, I'm not here to trash it by any means. We all have our different views on things. But what I wanted to hit on was kind of the, the key Star Trek moments for me and Into Darkness. And for the most part, that evolves around Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock. They had some really great interactions and some, I think, some great lines in the movie that kind of made it feel a lot like Star Trek. So the elements that would pull me out sometimes, maybe, you know, they were too cavalier with Kirk breaking rules and all that other stuff, which, you know, is it's really unfounded. Um he wasn't a rogue rebel rule breaker. Um, there were occasions where he did, but certainly was not a, an officer that just played Wild Wild West out there and did things his own way. And I thought the movie just kind of went too far with that. But those scenes, uh, particularly this first one that I'm going to play for you, is the one where both uh, Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock are in Admiral Pike's office facing the music for what happened in Nibiru and, and what they... With, what kind of went wrong in the explanations, but I thought one thing they did capture well was kind of classic Spock. I could see a younger Spock answering the questions to Admiral Pike and also being truthful and honest, which obviously hurt uh, Captain Kirk. The only element I didn't like is I could never see Captain Kirk, the one I know, the one that I grew up with, actually falsifying data and lying on a report. Just not uh, who he is. I think he would take ownership and accountability. I know it's a younger Kirk in this, but I just didn't like that whole aspect of it. And there was a deleted scene, actually, in Star Trek Into Darkness that uh, uh, Tim Hans or Chris Baca, one of my friends, sent me. It was on some link where it actually has Kirk recording uh, the captain's log, lying through his teeth and the bridge crew just looking at him. And that is not... I'm glad they cut that scene because that really would have killed the movie for me even though they implied it to actually see it. Now, that's not, that's not true leadership, and I could imagine the rest of his officers and crewmen watching him do this and being so cavalier about it would just um, be a cancer in the ship. It should, really shows his immaturity. So anyway, here we go with this first clip from Into Darkness where Pike is dressing down Kirk and Spock. 
Uneventful. Admiral? It's the way you described the survey of Nibiru in your captain's log. Uh, yes, sir. I didn't want to waste your time going over the Yeah, details. tell me more about this volcano. Data says it was highly volatile. If mm. it were to erupt, it would wipe out the planet. Let's hope it doesn't, sir. Something tells me it won't. Uh, well, sir, volatile is all relative. Maybe our data was off. Or maybe it didn't erupt because Mr. Spock detonated a cold fusion device inside it right after a civilization that's barely invented the wheel happened to see a starship rising out of their ocean. That is pretty much how you describe it, is it not? Admiral, you filed a report? Why didn't you tell me? I incorrectly assumed that you would be truthful in your captain's law. Yeah, I would have been if I didn't have to save your life. A fact for which I am immeasurably grateful and the very reason I felt it necessary to take responsibility for the actions <laughs> that led... Responsibility, yeah. That'd be so noble, Pointy, if you weren't also throwing me under the bus. Pointy, is that a derogatory reference? Gentlemen, Starfleet's mandate is to explore and observe, not to interfere. Had the mission gone according to plan, Admiral, the indigenous species would never have been aware of our interference. That's a technicality. I am Vulcan, sir. We embrace technicality. You give me attitude, Spock. I'm expressing multiple attitudes simultaneously, sir. To which are you referring? Out. You're dismissed. You have any idea what a pain in the ass you are? I think so, sir. So tell me what you did wrong. What's the lesson to be learned here? Never trust a Vulcan. Oh, so you can't even answer the question. You lied. On an official report, you lied. You think the rules don't apply to you because you disagree with them. That's why you talked me into signing up in the first place. That's why you gave me your I ship. I gave you my ship because I saw greatness in you. And now I see you haven't got an ounce of humility. What was I supposed to do? Let Spock You're die. missing the point. I don't think I am, sir. What would you have done? I wouldn't have risked my first officer's life in the first place. You were supposed to survey a planet, not alter its destiny. You violated a dozen Starfleet regulations and almost got everyone under your command killed. Except I didn't. You know how many crew members I've lost since I That's the your problem. Sir, you think one. you're infallible. You think you can't make a mistake. It's a pattern with you. The rules are for other people. Some should and be. And what's worse is you're using blind luck to justify your playing God. Given the circumstances this has been brought to Admiral Marcus's attention, he convened a special tribunal to which I was not invited. You understand what Starfleet regulations mandate be done at this point. They've taken the Enterprise away from you. Now, I really enjoy that scene for a couple of reasons. <laughs> I've been on the other side of that desk myself a few times, and I've had people on the other side of my desk a few times, and I thought the approach was really, really well done. That's one. But I think more than anything else, it really captures that essence of who Spock is and where Kirk is in his maturization. It's just, it's just not there. So I hope you enjoyed that clip. I, you know, I, I smile at it. I laugh at it. I didn't like the, the hard reality when Kirk is demoted. But of course, the movie spins that around, which leads us to my second of the three biggest Star Trek moments. And that happens to be kind of the following scene, really. And that's when Captain Pike comes down to see now Commander Kirk in a bar. Uh, and, well, you know what? I'm going to let you listen, and then we're going to talk about it on the other side. How did you find me? I know you better than you think I do. I mean, the first time I found you was in a dive like this. Remember that? Got your ass handed to you. No, I you don't? No, that's not what happened. That was an epic beating. No, it wasn't. You had napkins hanging out of your nose. 
Did you not? <laughs> yeah, that was a good fight. A good fight. I think that's your problem right there. They gave her back to me. The Enterprise. Congratulations. Watch your back with that first officer, though. Spock's not gonna be working with me. It's been transferred. USS Bradbury. You're gonna be my first officer. The Amarcus took some convincing. But every now and then I can make a good case. What did you tell him? The truth. That I believe in you. That if anybody deserves a second chance, it's Jim Kirk. be all right son so here's the thing right it's a it's a journey and life is a journey and here you have a person who grew up without a father um, pike realizing that he put too much on kirk at too young an age and now he's going to guide him and mentor him but what i thought was really special about that whole scene was just the demeanor of both you can really buy into the character of captain pike from the first movie into this movie it really was solid. And of course, it sets us up for such a shock and awe when, spoilers, you know, Captain Spike gets gets killed by Khan. And that was such a shame because he could have been a character that could have gone much longer into, you know, the, uh, the franchise, I think. We know in the original series that uh, Captain Pike met uh, a pretty uh, grisly fate, although, you know, he's, he's now doing better under the auspices of Illusion. But, you know, in this case, I thought that Bruce Greenwood just, even in the first movie and into this movie, just just brings out a phenomenal Captain Pike. And I, and I hated seeing him get killed because of this speech or the I dare you to do better speech that came from the first movie. Both were just very, very powerful scenes. Now, what it does for the movie is it does set up some really great drama. You know, when his death happens... It really is emotional, and it's played beautifully by both Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto. And, you know, there's a part of me when that whole thing happened, I was like, oh, come on. You know, in, in movies and television shows nowadays, it's I, I, they want you to feel heavily impacted by the loss of key people and key, um, key characters in a cast. This would have been one they could have, they could have left alone, I think. You know, poor Pike, you know, he gets, gets the... Uh, the eel uh, in in his brain, uh, it, it impacts his ability to walk, gets the ship back, he's going to mentor Kirk, and then the next thing you know, um, he gets killed. And uh, it, it was really rough. So anyway, I hope I hope you enjoyed that scene. I thought it was a powerful moment. I'm kind of drawn to those things, uh, those father do the, excuse me, father-son moments. I, f I find them particularly impactful. And um, 
yeah, it was pretty special. So when you ask me, I'm only picking three, right? And so that gives all of you in the Babel Conference a ton of other good Star Trek moments to bring in or link to YouTube on when we when we bring it up, you know, when this show drops. But I really thought the biggest and best Star Trek moment occurred at the very end of this movie. Because shortly after the whole drama of the attack by Khan and his reveal and the back and forth and the vengeance and the Klingons, I mean, there was a lot of great action, a lot of great visuals, some great dialogue that, that did occur, some others that just wasn't so great, and you're just like, oh, man. Uh, but I, I really, really enjoyed uh, the speech at the end because I thought it holistically defined what they were about, what is the character and nature of the Federation, not just Starfleet, but of the Federation. And the line was perfect, and in the way that it ends, too, with what we knew as the sign-on for Star Trek, right? The, um, the episode launch in TNG in the original series is now the captain's oath. And I found that to be, I thought, pretty clever how they, how they pulled that in. I wonder if we'll hear it on some of the other uh, series of the future. Disco? Hmm? We'll be listening. Anyway... Here's the end speech from Captain Kirk at the, uh, at the finale of Into Darkness. There will always be those who mean to do us harm. To stop them, we risk awakening the same evil within ourselves. Our first instinct is to seek revenge when those we love taken from us but that's not who we are we are here today to rechristen the USS Enterprise and to honor those who lost their lives nearly one year ago when Christopher Pike first gave me his ship he had me recite the captain's oath words I didn't appreciate at the time now I see them as a call for us to remember who we once were and who we must be again. And those words, space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Her five-year mission, to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no one has gone before. So here's the dichotomy of that whole speech and that whole feeling, right? You watch this movie. A lot of fans, like me, had a difficult time with it. I felt it played much better in a Star Wars type arena. And I am a big Star Wars fan, by the way. I just like my Star Wars to be Star Wars and Star Trek to be Star Trek. And that doesn't mean you can't have action and you can't have intensity and you can't have great moments within the both. But there's certain things, certain elements that belong in each movie that I think fit. And I think that's where J.J. Abrams got a little confused. You know, when we talk about the kind of the, the, the collusion of technology and the way Star Trek has a, a foundation and a lot of rules and a lot of history that plays on Star Wars does to a degree, but it's much, much looser, right? We really don't know what hyperspace means. Uh, light speed, they say, but they're going much faster than that. In Star Trek, we understand what warp one is, warp two is, warp three, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So 
the end of this movie kind of pulled it all back because it was a great Star Trek moment, especially when they're getting ready for their five-year journey. And it also got us pumped up. So maybe the movie wasn't that successful in terms of bringing the whole Star Trek fandom into it and enjoying it. I think we got tired of the of the ship getting beat up again. I mean, and, and all the different elements in there. And Khan just is as great as Benedict Cumberbatch was as a villain. I didn't think he was a great con. He was an okay con. We do talk about that in conversations, an episode that we did about six months ago that I'm sure you'd like. But at any rate, the end of this movie really pulls us back in, doesn't it? It gets you excited for the next one. You were hoping that they can come and sort of redeem it because now they're going to play in that arena. They're going to get away from Earth where most of Star Trek takes place, right? Now, most of the movies, Earth is in jeopardy. There's no doubt about it. And that was the same in TOS and that was the same in TNG. But for, for now, they're moving away from Earth, and we're getting ready for Beyond. Now, in hindsight, Beyond knocked it out of the park, right? They, they killed it. I thought that was the best Star Trek movie. It's, it's, I think it's a little better than 09. I really enjoyed it that much more. But we'll talk about that later. The ending of this movie got me primed to the pump for the next one, right? And that's what it should have done, and that's what I think it delivered. So I hope you really enjoyed that, that speech there, and that um, it makes you kind of like, yes, this is what I'm a part of, at least uh, philosophically. This is what I enjoy about Star Trek. This is what it's all about. And I think, like I said, they really, really nailed it. So with that, I ask you to please do what you always do and you do so well. Engage in conversation on the Babel Conference. What were your three or two or one or your favorite? Or maybe there were none. Were there any Star Trek moments that you enjoyed in Into Darkness? Would you like to share it with the Bible Conference and start some great conversations? I know my buddies are out there raring to go, and I really do appreciate all of you. So with that, I will say thank you for listening to this episode and talking about the three top Star Trek moments in Into Darkness isn't the only thing we're talking about. Please listen to these previews and other things that are happening also on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, The Edge, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. I think there's a better chance of what happens in the comics reflecting the television show as opposed to, like, the first TNG comic that had, like, the two bickering uh, husband and wives that worked on the bridge, the Bickleys or whatever, and they ran around in capes for some reason. And it's just, like, they had these that's, that's really... That's like, in my head, yeah. That's, that's you're right. <laughs> <laughs> to the journey! And so I could see the Herogen viewing themselves as very noble, very civilized. They don't mm -hmm. let their prey suffer, but really they're doing these horrific things, just like we do here in the yeah. real world when we have to go fight wars. Yeah, absolutely. I think they go home and they write an epic poem about it, and that makes it okay. <laughs> <laughs> the the Herogen equivalent of Beowulf. Right? Warp 5. Gary Graham had a, came over and said a couple of nice things, but the funny thing was he said... I've been on this show for four years. This is my first day on the bridge. You're over there firing the phasers? What is going on? Standard orbit. I was really hoping that Quinto would have a uh, tie-in to, you know, when the Hobbit trilogy came out, you know, a few years ago. It's like, oh, they might tie into that, and Quinto can have a remix of the Ballad of Bilgo Baggins. They didn't, they didn't quite go there, did they? So No, they, they did not. They did not. But, you know, there are certain things that you can, I guess, Mirror or remake, that is not something that should ever be remade. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm.
So check out these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, get the show on iTunes or the Apple Podcasts app. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. That helps us greatly and makes it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, Speaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course, you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website and grab the RSS link as well. If you'd like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, you can always find us on trekfn slash contact and look in the sidebar on the show page, or you can go to speakpipe.com slash trekfm and please leave us a voice message. You can also contact us through Twitter at trekfm or on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm and of course in the Babel Conference. Type Babel Conference, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook or go to our website at trekfm and click discussion on the menu bar. Another way you can help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron on the network on Patreon. If you visit Patreon slash Trek FM, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Trek FM, you'll find the current goals and different milestone contributions along with all the great perks we have for you. These perks include early access to content, exclusive content, producer credits, seats on our content development team, and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details on patreon.com slash trekfm. Speaking of Patreon, thank you as always to our great associate producers for Standard Orbit. We have Renee Roberts, Norman Lau, Aaron Harvey, Tim Robertson, Nick Anastasio, Richard Marquez, and Corey Elrod. Yes, thank you guys so much for your support for both Standard Orbit and Trek FM. Uh, so, Ken, if people want to find you out there on the internet, where can they find you? Hi, you can find me hanging around the Babel Conference and engaging people when I, when I have the opportunity. You can also find me on Twitter. My uh, Twitter handle is at Boston SCPO, and we uh, we like to tweet out all our new episode information as soon as we get it, as well as well as our colleagues. So, look for me there. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at MoronZach. That's M O O R E O N Z A C H. And I'm also the host of my own podcast, Always Hold On to Smallville, where we talk about each and every episode of that young Superman series from the early 2000s. And you can find us on Twitter at AlwaysMallville with one S. So thanks everyone for listening, and join us again next time here on Trek FM for another episode of Standard Orbit.